Go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. I think that's where we want to go. Go to the book of Genesis anyway. The book of Genesis. Let me say while you're turning there. Um, for the many that were able to, I, I was so overwhelmed in a positive way, in a beautiful way, of the many who were able and made the concerted effort to be here yesterday morning at 5 a.m. I know some of you thought, and many of you know, I'm crazy, uh, but I am so thankful of the willingness to be here. Um, I realize Saturday for many is a day off, and I don't know, maybe you sleep in on your day off. Um, so for you to get up at 4 or whatever time you had to get up to be here by 5 a.m. and to join together in prayer, thank you. I believe the Holy Ghost met us here, and I appreciate your willing sacrifice, your willingness to sacrifice some sleep to be here together. Um, it was not just a time of gathering of convenience, obviously. It was not just to put something on a calendar. The Holy Ghost is leading us somewhere. I want to go. And we're not going to go one by one. He's going to take us together. And so I appreciate you. If you weren't able to be here, that's not an indictment against you. Please don't misunderstand. I know how the adversary likes to twist things sometimes. But for the many that were able, thank you. Uh, the church will be open again this Saturday at 4.30 a.m. And uh, we will have all family prayer uh, if you need an official start time, I guess we'll say 5 a.m. You understand after the ministry yesterday, after our time of prayer and that we sent out, that the early start is about starting before the break of day and the scriptural principle of starting prayer before the break of day. I'm going to dismiss children ages 2 to 11 to their classrooms. Ages 2 to 11 can go to class. Uh, and so if you go, well, why, did, why are we starting so early? Uh, it's before the break of day. Now, me, I, I personally, I like more, you know, the days are getting longer and longer right now, so the break of day is a lot earlier in the morning. Somebody thought, why couldn't we have done this in the winter when sunrise is a lot later? Well, I guess the Lord just wants to kill our flesh crucify this flesh, but um, here we are, and so we will start family prayer again this Saturday. The church will be open at 4.30, again, if you need an official start time, 5 o'clock, I guess. Um, I think sunrise is about 5.10 this Saturday, I'm guessing, so you'll have 10 minutes before sunrise. Um Anyway, if, if you weren't here, I trust you saw the, the link that we shared that was the first of a seven-part series. Those seven parts are ten minutes or less, so you're not going, oh, my goodness, a seven-part series. All together, we watch, 
it was just it was one single message broken up into 10 minute segments so it's about a uh, I think it's actually less than one hour maybe right at one hour of teaching uh, I encourage you to watch it and it will give you more scriptural understanding and context to praying early in the morning and so uh, and if you were here watch it again uh, it, it ministers to me every time even though it was ministered some 14 or 15 years ago originally so very very powerful and so thank you thank you for being here I love you and I appreciate so very much and I'm humbled by your heart for the things of God and what a privilege to be placed in the body together amen and so why don't you turn and greet your neighbor while I find the verse that I'm looking for would you do that In Jesus' name. Praise God. The book of Genesis chapter number 2. The book of Genesis chapter number 2. We'll start with verse number 15. Genesis 2 and 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, I'm, this is not what I want to talk about today, but I just read this verse and I felt the pause right here. God did not put man in the Garden of Eden to kick back, relax, and take it easy. See, we have this false picture of the Garden of Eden. Okay, we got this picture like, man, I, I, you know, sometimes we use the term paradise. Paradise means I, I just take it easy. God did not create man to take it easy. Somebody needs to hear that. He put him in the Garden of Eden... To work. Everybody said amen. amen. You may not like it, but it's the truth. God put man in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of what God had created. We miss that sometimes. We read right over that. Got this picture that Garden of Eden was luxury, no hard work. No, no, no. He had to dress it and to keep it. Anybody ever try to take care of a garden? It's work. If you don't believe it, just ask Brother Jacinto. It's work. Ask Sister Yadira. She knows, too. She has to get out there and help him. He started all that mess, huh, Sister Yadira? <laughs> it's work. So that's a side note. You lay hold on that if you need to. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man. It's a pretty strong word, isn't it? He commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And everybody said amen. That means it is settled. 
Why would God, a loving God, a faithful God, a God who created a man, why would he create this? And you understand, he made man different than he made everything else. We didn't read all of Genesis 1. Go read Genesis 1 when you have time. That's the creation story, of course, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we read of all of creation, and God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And God spoke, let there be the sun and the moon and the stars, and they were done. He said, let there be the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, and it was done. Let there be the creeping things upon the earth, and it was done. And Let there be trees, and it was done. He spoke, and it was done. He spoke, and it was done. He spoke, and it was done. But when he came to the sixth day, he did not speak. When it came to the sixth day, the scripture is very clear. He formed man of the dust of the ground. So he formed man from something he had already spoken into. But the reason he did not, and some of you know this, but we just need to pause here a minute. He did not speak man into existence. He formed man. And then he breathed into his nostrils, Genesis 2 and 6, I believe. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I have a question for you. When he created the trees on whatever day that was, did they live? It's not a trick question. When he created the trees and the plants on whatever day that was, did they live? Yes. Is there anywhere in there that you read where he said, let them be alive? No. Okay. When he created the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, did they live? Okay, good, we're agreeing. Now, anywhere in there do you read where he said, let them live? No, no. When he created the animals on the face of the earth, and, you know, later on he had Adam name them all. Did he, anywhere after he created them, say, now let them live? No, he spoke them into being and they were alive. Not so for you and I. Not so for you and I. He formed man of the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into man the breath of life. And notice, this is said about man and not said about him. I think it's Genesis 2 and 6. Can you pull that up and let's see if I'm... Is that right? 7, 2 and 7. There you go, thank you. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then notice that last line that comes after the semicolon. And man, everybody say man. That word man there speaks of mankind ultimately, even though Eve has not yet been created. And man became a living soul. You see that? A living soul. Nothing else. Birds of the air, fish of the sea, creeping things on the earth, no living soul. There used to be a cartoon. I think there was like a little cartoon kids movie made when our kids were little, so 20-something years. I think it was called All Dogs Go to Heaven. Anybody ever heard of that? Am I making that up? Okay, okay, so I'm not losing my mind. Okay, that's not true. Sorry. For those of you that love your dog, if you want an extra, I got one. Sorry, just kidding. Sorry, babe. She's pretty attached. She's pretty attached. I'm not against dogs. You understand? No living soul. When my dog dies, 
and he will die. We'll bury him somewhere, and he'll decompose in the earth, and it's over. That's it. No living soul. You understand? Okay. You and I are created different. We're created. I'm trying to go somewhere else here. This is important. We're living in a society where people have started giving more effort and energy and even finance to animals than they give to the human being. It's been about eight years ago now, but it was a startling statistic that marvel. We're going to move off this, but we're stuck right here. We need to draw this distinction. We need to understand this. Not against pets. I got it one. Okay. I think it was about eight years ago, the United States crossed a line. Most of you probably didn't even know we crossed it. I read the, I read the article. It's the only reason I knew. Where the United States began spending more money on its pets than it spent on serving and recovering and helping homeless humanity. I don't know what that does for you. Priorities. Priorities. And so, man became a living soul. You are a living soul created by God. That living soul is going to return somewhere. It's going to spend eternity somewhere. Okay? And so, so this living soul, and so God took this man that he made a living soul, that he put the breath of God in. All right, you and I have the breath of God breathed into us when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, because Adam sinned and fell out of relationship with God, except I'm getting ahead of myself. So put the verse back up there that we started with, Genesis 2.17, I think it was. And so here it is, he's in this garden, and, you know, I asked this question years ago. Why would God put him in there, put all this stuff and say, eat everything. And, oh, by the way, here's a tree that I put in there. Don't eat that one. Why would God just not put that tree in there? Wouldn't that be easier? I mean, really, wouldn't it be easier if God, why didn't God just not put that tree in there? Anybody else ever think that way? Just leave it out. What's going on here, God? I, you know, you're trying to mess me up? No. I'll tell you what's going on. God had to put something in the garden that taught Adam what it was to be submitted. He had to put something in the garden that taught Adam submission to authority. If there's no tree in the garden that he can't eat of, nothing to follow. No one, he has no authority. But God became the authority in Adam's life. Adam, everything here you can eat, but you can't eat out of, off of this tree. What was he saying? Adam, you've got to have authority in your life. It's so funny to me. I'm just barely starting talking about this, and some of you are already shutting down. And so you got preconceived ideas in your mind already. You're wrestling against and fighting against. We need to pray.
Come on, pray with me. Jesus, in your name, we want to hear your word for what you want to do in us. You desire to bless and prosper us. Your presence is here in a mighty way. You desire to do a spiritual work that blesses and prospers the kingdom of God through your body. Help us to hear and learn what you would speak to us in Jesus' name, I pray. I receive it of you. And so this tree was there so Adam would learn. He had to have a place of submission. That was the purpose of the tree. He had to learn this. He had had to learn that when God says no, it means no. I've met kids that didn't know what the word no meant. Now, if you think I'm talking about you or your kids, and I didn't have any of your kids in mind, if that's the case. If your kid came to mind, then pray about that. But I, I hope that's okay. No, right? This place of submission. Submission matters in the kingdom of God. Why did see? Here's we wrestle with. Here's what the adversary does. The adversary always twists the word of God. He twists the word of God so that we'll resist the word of God. And so, what the adversary does? He takes a word like submission and causes us to go, man. Somebody's trying to rule my life. Somebody wants to have their thumb on my life. Preacher's trying to take be this authoritarian. If you've been here any length of time, you know that's not who I am. Right. But no, no, no. Submission becomes a place where power and authority can actually flow and operate. See, Adam could flow in the authority of God as long as he stayed submitted to the authority of God. He reaped all the benefit and the blessing of God as long as he stayed submitted to the authority of God. But the moment he and Eve ate of that tree, he lost out on all that flow of power and authority and blessing. Now you're cursed. Where'd the curse come from? I'll tell you where the curse came from. He broke submission. He got out from under the covering of submission to authority. And when he got out from under it, it brought curse on his life. God said, the moment you eat of that tree, the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Was it because he ate of the tree alone? No, no, it was what eating of the tree represented. The moment you eat of that tree, you're showing, I'm no longer submitted to God. And when you step out from under spiritual submission, you will die, Adam. Now, some people look and read that scripture and say, well, you know, God's word wasn't true. He ate that tree, but they still lived. Oh, no, you missed the point. He died. Some of you are looking like, what do you mean he died? I thought he still lived. No, no, that day he spiritually died. Why? Because that relationship with God got severed in a way that said, What I intended in your life, what I desired for your life was here in Eden. I placed you here where you were in a place of innocence. You were not subject to sin. You were not under the bondage of sin. You were not subject to all of these things. But when you stepped out from under submission, what happened is you brought a curse on your life. And you brought a curse on all mankind. All because you stepped out from under submission. You and I are dealing with sin today because Adam and Eve had a submission problem. Think it don't matter? It matters. Because they could not submit to the authority of God. We deal with a sin problem. And so how do we correct the sin problem? Simple, according to the word of God. We come back under submission. 
Submission to his word, submission to his spirit. We know his word to be true. We know his word to be superior to my understanding and my learning. And so I submit to his word in truth, in fear of God. Not like, oh my goodness, I'm afraid to death. But reverence and respect and awe of the almighty God whose presence we have felt here today and who is still in this room. We submit to that authority of his word and his spirit. And as we come back in submission to his word and his authority, he restores right relationship. You want the blessing, the power of God to flow and operate through your life? It will not do so if I do not have a place of submission to his authority. It's a critical principle of the word of God. You find it throughout the Word of God. We see this constantly coming up. We find Moses, the man of God, chosen by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of sin. And Moses is there. Moses has a brother and sister. Moses says to God, God, I can't talk. you got to help me. I can't talk. I can't do this. Finally, God gets upset with him and says, fine, get Aaron your brother. He'll be a mouth for you. You'll be his God unto him. And so Aaron becomes... Aaron, Moses' older brother, becomes the one that walks and talks with Moses. And he speaks, and he becomes ultimately the first high priest because of the tribe of Levi. And then you have Moses' sister, Miriam. Oh, by the way, she was a mighty worshiper. When they came through the um, Red Sea, thank you. When they came through the Red Sea and God destroyed all the armies of Egypt behind them, Miriam wrote a song and began to dance. And she said, the horse and his rider, he is thrown into the sea. God has triumphed gloriously. She was a worshiper. Miriam was a worshiper. Aaron was a high priest. And then one day, Miriam and Aaron got together, and they were talking, brother and sister. They were, you know what they were talking about? They were talking about Moses, their middle brother. Middle children, man, we got it rough. Any middle kids in the room? I feel you. I love you. We got this. Now, so... Moses was the middle kid. Aaron was the older brother. Miriam, the little bit younger sister. And so Aaron and, or Aaron and Miriam get together. And here's, here's the conversation the two of them are having. We hear from God just like Moses does. Yeah. We know the voice of God. We can do. Oh, yeah. You can. And the Lord heard them talking. And the Lord said, Moses, I'd like you and Miriam and Aaron to come together. Let's have a little powwow. So the Lord brought Moses and Arian, Arian, Aaron and Miriam, Ariam, there is no Ariam, Miriam and Aaron. He brought them together, the three of them. And the presence of the Lord came down to talk with them. And the presence of the Lord settled down right there among the three of them. And he said, hey, I'm paraphrasing. You can go read it in the book of Exodus. The Lord said, hey, you think it's a small thing here you're going to talk about Moses like this? I talk to you, and when I talk to you, this is how I talk to you. But when I talk to him, I talk to him like I talk to no other man. Me and him, we talk as a friend, face to face. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Moses, Moses, Aaron and Miriam, I'm going to get in trouble trying to say those two names real fast. Aaron and Miriam started thinking, I don't need to be submitted to Moses' authority. He's our brother. I know as much as he does. God talks to me like he talks to him. 
The issue was an issue of submission, not an issue of whether they heard from God or not. God never denied that they heard from Him. God never denied that He used them. He did use them. He'd chosen them. They had a place in the kingdom of God, in the purpose of God, with the children of Israel. The issue was something God in their spirit that they said, I don't have to submit to Moses anymore. It was a spiritual work, not a this man over this person hierarchy. It was a spiritual covering that God had given Moses a responsibility. And Miriam and Aaron decided, we're, we're as much as he is. Moses was never lifting himself up, you understand. He was simply walking in what God had called him to walk in in obedience to the Lord. Well, and so when the Lord had that few minutes of talk, I don't know how long it lasted in the scripture. It was just a couple of verses. And the Bible says the spirit of the Lord lifted back up off of him. And when he did, well, lo and behold, Miriam is covered from head to toe. She is as white as white can be with leprosy. And they weren't in the fear of the Lord when they were talking about Moses behind his back. But when the spirit of the Lord lifted up and then she's covered with leprosy, the fear of the Lord came on both of them. And you know what they did when the fear of the Lord came on them? They didn't go, oh, God, forgive us. What they did is they said, oh, Moses, pray for us. All of a sudden, they got a revelation. You've got a relationship that we don't have. It's not better or worse. You understand. It's a place and a calling in the kingdom and the design of God. Moses, pray for us, they said. They recognized so the Lord cried, Moses cried out to the Lord for them. You know what the Lord said? The Lord said, okay, Moses, I'll heal her, but I'm not going to do it right now. What? Yeah. This action she's taken. Anybody with leprosy would be put out of the camp. I want you to put her out of the camp. Put her out for seven days. How do you think that felt to Miriam? Some people say, well, why didn't he put Aaron out? Well, I don't know all the backstory. The Lord knows all that. Part of me, I believe, is because Aaron was the high priest and he still needed him to go in for the people. Uh, there's a whole lot more to that we won't talk about today. But. The Bible declares they put Miriam out of the camp for seven days. And the children of Israel just sort of waited. They were ready to move. But they didn't move until Miriam came back into the camp. The Lord healed her, removed the leprosy. But it stopped the entire movement of the people of God. And when she came back in submission, I promise you, she was in submission when she came back. She had the fear of the Lord. She came back in. Then the pillar moved and the whole camp moved. The authority of God flows through a submitted spirit. The authority of God flows through a submitted life. This is a spiritual principle that matters for you and I to walk in and operate in the spirit. All right. It's not about rank and privilege. It's about the flow of God ordained authority. Okay. It's about the flow. We find this passage in the New Testament. 
where uh, a centurion comes to Jesus who has a, uh, a servant who is sick. And he comes and he says, Lord, would you come and heal? Him? Or he appeals to Jesus for his servant. And Jesus says, I'll go with you. And he's the centurion. By the way, centurion is where we get our word century from. It means 100, a century, 100 years, 100. A centurion was a Roman commander who was over 100 soldiers. That's where the name centurion comes from. So this centurion, he was a leader of men. He was a man in authority, right? He had 100 soldiers under him. And Jesus says, I'll go with you. And the centurion says, no, Lord, you don't need to go with me. And watch what he says. He says to him, I am a man under authority. He did not say, here, let me give you that verse so you know where it's at. He did not say, I'm a man in authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. Verse, or Matthew 8 and 9, or Luke 7 and 8, either one. Uh, Luke 7 and 8, I like that one. If you look at Luke 7 and 8, this is where he's declaring to Jesus, look, you don't need to go. He said, I also am a man, watch, set under authority. It went away. I am also a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes, and to my servant for this, and he doeth it. Now I want you to notice something in that verse there. He starts by recognizing he's under authority. And then he talks about the authority that he operates in. I say to, and I have people under my authority. But he recognizes my authority isn't mine alone. It comes because I'm under authority. And so when I say to this man, go, and he goes, it's because I'm operating under the authority, and then I'm dispensing that to those under me. Does that make sense? He wasn't taking ownership of his authority. He understand it came from a place of submission. I have a job. I have a job title at my credit union. I have managers at branches that are under my authority. But I don't operate in my own authority. I have authority given me by VPs in the organization. They have authority given them by CEOs in the organization. I don't operate in my own authority. I operate under their authority. We understand this in the natural. We should recognize it's even more so in the spiritual. And so why would the adversary try to get you and I out from under authority? It's the spirit of independence that would destroy a soul. I don't know why we're talking about that. The Lord's wanting to help us. I do know why we're talking about this today. Because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is wanting to use every single one of you that would submit to His will and His word. 
And he's desiring for the Holy Ghost, his indwelling spirit that he's filled you with, to operate through your life, to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, to cast out devils and speak to unclean spirits and they will go. He's desiring to do that through you and I. And for him to do that, we must remain properly aligned in spiritual authority for his authority to flow through our lives. his authority to flow through our lives and so we find this centurion saying Lord you don't even have to go with me verse 9 why don't we go to verse 9 since you got Luke 7 up there when Jesus so when Jesus heard these things he marveled at him and he turned about and said to the people that followed him I say to you I have not found so great faith no not in Israel what what do you mean great faith? I didn't hear any. Faith that understands submission and how authority operates through it. He said, I haven't found such great faith. You want to have faith in the spirit of God flow through your life? Learn what it is when God places you in a place of submission to authority. If there's anything the adversary tries to destroy, it's that. He works to destroy that constantly. Who do they think they are? I, w- I was telling someone the other day, um, I'll pick on them since they're not up here right now. Uh, I said this to them, so it's not like, uh, uh, Brother Joey and Sister Stephanie, who do such a tremendous job leading our children's ministry and doing all that work with those kids, uh, it, like, for, like two or three times across the space of a couple of months, uh, we were in communication. I was asking them about something or we were trying to get something ironed out and direct some direction, taking some things done. And in that, I, I communicated some things and then I dropped the ball. I'm as human as you are. And, and so I reached back to them and I apologized. And, and then we had something else happen and they misunderstood. And, and this and uh, not like some gross misunderstanding, but right, just or, or I miscommunicated. Right. And, so, and I made this statement. I said, I said, man, I feel like I'm doing everything I can to try to trip you up. Well, I wasn't, right? You understand? But there are, here's the thing. The adversary would little, use little things like that to cause an offense towards any spiritual authority to come in your life. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about justifying sin, you understand? There's a process and a pattern in Scripture for dealing with sin when there's sin in those that are in authority. But here. The, the spirit of a man, the spirit of a man would cause us to look on humanity. The centurion's authority did not come from his humanity. It came from his office and from the, you understand the difference? And so there is, this is why we have structure. It's why we have structure. Because authority flows through structure. We've got it throughout the word of God. This is important for, this is important for us for where God's taking us for God, and God using us. It's not about lording over people. Some people have twisted authority to be that. 
to begin to lord over people, to begin to micromanage their lives, to tell them what they can and can't do and try to lay out all these and control people. That's not, that, God doesn't do that. God does not do that. And so we see this order of the Lord. And we see it throughout the Word of God. This is why we see, and some people have an issue with it, the Word of God. Right? This is why we see the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, telling the church at Ephesus, wives, submit to your husbands. He's not talking about husbands being thumbs over ruling their wife as a dictator. That's not God's direction. If a husband does that, they're out of alignment with God. It's about a husband having a God-ordained authority to cover his wife and for the authority of God to flow through the wife because she's in submission to her husband. She's a help meet, not a help mate. Don't twist the word. Genesis called the woman a help meet. She meets the man where he needs help and vice versa. And so she comes under that covering of authority and then she can flow and operate in authority because she's under authority. You show me a lady that steps out from, that's married that steps out from under the submission to her husband, I'll show you a lady that's dangerous spiritually. There's got to be a spirit. Does that mean that she can't do any more than her husband could do? No, I've watched ladies of God operate in tremendous spiritual gifting and things that their husbands never operate in, but they're submitted to their husband's spiritual authority, and so it gives them the liberty to operate that way. I, I, I'll give you an example in case you think I'm crazy. Uh, there's a lady, she is now passed, her and her husband have both passed. Her name is Sister Nona Freeman, powerfully used of God, missionary to South Africa, powerfully used of God, her and her husband. And... Um, I, I never remember his real name because she wrote a book about their ministry called Bug and Me. Bug and She always called him Bug. And so I can't remember his name now. It left me, but I'll find it later. And, and I've listened to them both preach and teach. And they're, but I'm telling you, I'll listen to him and it may minister to me. But there's something about her ministry and the way God's used her and all the books she's written. It just ministers to my life. But when you ever listen to her, and if you ever hear her speak about her husband, you never question that she was in spiritual submission to her God-given authority. It would have been easy for her to go, man, my ministry is... No, she understood the power and the authority that operates in my life flows and operates because I'm in submission to this man of God, my husband, that's in my life. Does that make sense? And so, it's not a limiter... It's a liberator. And that's the, that's the deception of the adversary is that submission is an inhibitor. No, it's a liberator. I know I'm covered. I know I'm operating under spiritual authority. That gives me great peace. You want to talk about not having peace, get out from under spiritual authority and start operating. You talk about your mind getting jerked around every which way, your spirit getting confused. You get tossed around with every wind of doctrine. You don't know the voice of God from the voice of the adversary. you got delusions going on. That's what happens when you step out from under spiritual authority. And so this, this principle is so critical to God using us the way he's going to use us and has started using us here recently. Okay? I believe that's why we're talking about this. It's time for the church to be the church outside of the walls, laying hands on the sick, and they recover. 
laying hands on those that are filled with unclean spirits and speaking, and they must come out. They must leave. They must go praying the prayer of faith and watching the Lord raise up the sick. That's going to come by operating in the authority of God, and that comes by being in alignment with spiritual authority in our lives. Now, I'm trying to hurry here, sort of. But I, I want you to see, the Lord's just been dealing with me about this a lot here recently, and, and this is the only reason I know of. There's no, there's no situation that's risen up that I'm like, i got to address this. No, it's, the Lord's dealing with me, and, and the only thing I can connect it to is His desire to use us and for His authority to operate through us. And so how critical it is that we have the scriptural understanding so He can. So He can. All right? And so we find one of the, the fifth commandment, Exodus chapter 20. Anybody know the fifth commandment? Good job. Not your son, your mother. Yeah. Honor thy father and thy mother. Anybody ever heard that? That's the fifth commandment. It's the first commandment with promise, the Bible says. Honor thy father and thy mother. What does it mean to honor your father and mother? Dad, I honor you. Mom, I honor you. Oh, no, 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 no. Not just words. Not just words. Why is the, the role of a mother and a father in a child so important? Why is that commandment? Out of ten, when, when the Lord gave ten commandments, why would honor your father and mother be one of the ten? Why does that matter, Darius or Mariah or Alyssa or Melanie or Sierra and Samaria or Luis why, why, or Maritza? I don't want you to get left out back. Why does it matter that you honor your father and mother? I'll tell you why a child should learn to honor. It's the first place of submission to authority that a child learns. And the Lord is wanting to teach that in a child, this principle. This is why beautiful little Susie has to be told no. Okay, I know tears will stream down her face and I know her little heart will be crushed and I know it breaks your heart as a dad, but you got to say no and mean it. Well, here we, what is it? If you don't, you're doing your child a disservice because you're not teaching them what it is to learn submission. Now, now as a parent, you do that with love, right? And that's, see, we understand that as a parent. I'm not trying to get my child to submit because I want to rule and reign over my child. By goodness, I'm the king of my home, little boy. You better know this. Right? Ethan and Autumn, from an early age, you better know. No. No, honor thy father and mother. You understand. No, I'm telling them no because I love them. Right? I know we just went to Walmart. No, you're not getting another toy. No. You better shut that off or you're going to get something you don't want. Maybe you didn't say it, but that's what I'd say to my kids. Oh, they're like, you mean you would like spank their bottom in public? Hey, if they'd act out in public and humble, yeah, you betcha. Now, if they did something that was sort of undertone, and I'm like, we'll deal with that later. But if they thought they could be bold enough to act out in public, 
I had no trouble pulling them together and swatting their bottom in public. It's submission. Now, I did it in love. Love, because love said they've got to learn what it is to be submitted to authority. That's why honor thy father and the mother is so critical in the word of God. It's the first place that you and I learn submission. Now, I want you to watch how the adversary works. Here's what the adversary does. The adversary says, if I can destroy the home. See, the adversary, he's got, he, he works long term. We think short term. He works long term. He says, if I can destroy the family, I can begin to destroy the root of submission. If I can, if I can get fatherless homes, I'll take an authority out of a home. If I can destroy a home and, and I can bring division between a father and a mother, I then confuse a child and a child doesn't learn submission. And I begin to tear down these things. Why is it that we have so many young people that they're coming into adulthood and they're not quite sure? They just some, It's not that necessarily even that they're rebellious. They just haven't really ever learned what it is to have authority in their life. True God-ordained authority. And so what they do is they bounce around. Just bounce around. What feels good, the latest. What, and never getting any root and learning the place of authority. They bounce around between jobs. They bounce around. You, you watch some, they'll bounce around between churches. They'll bounce, Why? They're not interested in finding a place of spiritual alignment that God would ordain and letting there be a flow of authority through their lives. And so there's never any deepening of root and they're just tossed around like wind. Winds of doctrine. Starts with submission. We learn that through the word of God. Now, the beauty is, even for those that grew up in broken homes, many of us in this room, God, can restore and teach us what it is to have authority in our lives and the blessing that comes from authority. The reason some of you in this room right now struggle with authority isn't because you're rebellious. It's because the authority that you've known in life hurts you. And so your picture of authority is one of one that would hurt you and take advantage of you. God will not take advantage. The reason some fear commitment is also rooted in the same thing. I'm not going to commit because commitment means submission. And I can't submit, so therefore I will not commit. Not recognizing, not realizing this place of submission it brings the flow of the blessing and favor of God on a life. It brings the operation of His Spirit and ministry when I come in alignment spiritually. The tree wasn't in the garden to punish Adam and Eve. It was so the blessing of God could flow to their lives as long as they stayed in submission. And it's His desire in you 
and I. Would you stand with me this morning? This honor thy father and mother. That your days may be long upon the earth. What we learn there. Parents, what you're teaching in the home. Has lifelong consequences. I have a question for you. Honor thy father and mother. At what point. Is that scripture no longer applicable to your life? Yeah. As long as they're on the face of this earth. Now, obviously, when you become an adult, I'm assuming your parents aren't telling you what you can and can't do. No, you can't eat that. Right? I know for moms that's harder than it is for dads, generally speaking. So as kids get older, you still want to tell them what to do. It's the heart of a mother. I get that. But this principle is key to God using us and flowing through us. We talked about it last Sunday in our 11 o'clock service, this idea of serving how Stephen was a table server. But God used him mightily to do miracles, spoke with wisdom that even the religious leaders couldn't resist. Why? I'll tell you why. Stephen was under authority. He did all these wonderful things, not because, oh, yeah, he got appointed to some office. Yeah, he did. He got appointed to an office serving tables. But he was in the place he was supposed to be, and he was in alignment with authority where he was, and the Spirit of God did everything God wanted to do through his life. As a table server. I think he understood spiritual authority. And if you and I want to walk in spiritual authority, we have to seek the will of God and the alignment with the word of God and the will of God in our lives. And thereby it flows through us. In Jesus' name. Would you talk to him right now before we go today? Thank you for your receiving of the word. I recognize you hearing and receiving today. Jesus, we want your word working in our lives. We know that you desire to operate through our lives. We understand your desire, Lord, to flow through us as individuals and people of God. And so we seek alignment with your word. I pray a heart that is submitted, a spirit that is submitted, a motive that is submitted to you, to your word, to the spiritual authorities you've placed in my life, God, that I can walk uninhibited in the liberty and the power of God, that there be a free flow of the spirit in operation through each one of us according to the design of God, your plan to use your church, Lord. Let us receive this principle and walk in it. Reveal it to us day by day, recognizing, Lord, in a place of submission comes great authority. In a place of submission comes great flow. In a place of submission comes the operation of the Spirit and the Word. 
word with power and demonstration, Lord. We thank you. We trust in you. We trust in you, Lord. Impart it upon our spirit. Mark it upon our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your will and your work would be accomplished with us, in us, and through us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray that your will would be done. That your will would be done. That your will would be done, Lord. That your will would be done in us and through us, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. You know where the Lord teaches us this principle most often? On our jobs. I don't know why he does it that way. On your, he'll give you a boss. And you'll be like, oh, precious Lord, precious Lord, don't take the Holy Ghost from me today. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, you think the Lord doesn't allow that? You and I learn submission. Oh, it's easy to submit when they want exactly what we want. The test of my motive and spirit of submission is not when everybody agrees with me. The true test of my motive and my submission is when I hear something I don't like or that I disagree with. Right? My little kid, when my kids were little, they're not little kids anymore. When my children were little, if I said, let's go get ice cream, let's go. They were submitted to my authority. Yes, Dad, we'll get in the car. Get in the car. Okay. Why? Because I like what Dad said. I'm submitted to his authority. I'll get in the car, Dad. Anything else you want? Yeah, why don't you run back in there and get my ball cap? Okay, Dad, I'll get it. I'll be. Why? They were ready to obey. Why? I'm doing something they want. They agree with it. Right? But then I say, hey, we're going to go down and we're going to trim all the weeds at the church building. We're going to spend some time outside doing that. You wanna, I want you to go with me. Oh, Dad. I was going to... Oh. I'm not saying, I'm, please don't I'm making this up. I'm not saying they ever done that in, in that regard with the terminal weeds, whatever. But what, what, what's the deal? I'll tell you what the deal is. Now I'm asking them to do something they don't want to do. The true test of submission is not when they're doing what you understand. The true measure and testimony is like, it's, it's like when you tell little Johnny, no, no. And they just go, okay, mom, I understand. I don't like it, mom, but that's okay. Is that what little Johnny does? Some of you are like, that wasn't my little Johnny. No, it wasn't, right? That human nature that's there at an early age rises up. And mom, dad, if you just go, oh, you know what? Just give it to them. It's easier than, it's easier than dealing with all that show and mess. You're teaching them something. I'm a, ooh. Hear me. I love you. I mean this. I love you. Sometimes some of us, we just sort of had some, we were used to having some things given to us. 
and then spiritually we hear no from the Lord. And we throw temper tantrums. God, I ask you, how come you didn't? But I prayed and it did. Right. But then how come? We learn. We learn through submission. And there comes a flow. It's not inhibiting. It's liberating. But it takes a while to learn that. Question for you to prove the point, and we'll go home. Anybody now that you're adults, do you ever have the thought when you're an adult, man, I just wish I was a little kid again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I could just be at home. If I wanted something, I'd just go get it out of the refrigerator. Mom made dinner. I want to run out and ride my bike. I'd just go ride. Oh, I could just be a child. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what? You recognize, man, it was pretty liberating just being under authority. I mean, sure, mom and dad had some things that I didn't like, but it was pretty good. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. So we need to get, we need to get that. I'm, I'm being a little lighthearted, but we need to get that in terms of submission to God and submission to spiritual authority. The adversary makes us think, oh, you know, it, we're like teenagers sometimes spiritually. We're like spiritual teenagers. Oh, no, 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 I, I'm smart enough to do this. I got this figured out. You know, know everything. But if I'll submit my spirit to you, Lord, to your word, to wise counsel, to godly counsel, if I'll submit my spirit and my heart to godly counsel and say, lead me, Lord, and I may not like what you're telling me, but I'll submit it in the fear of the Lord. All of a sudden, I recognize I'm like that child. Man, you know what? It's, It's not a bad thing. You know, when I was a kid, if my parents made wrong choices, they had to deal with them, but... I didn't feel the weight of that responsibility. And there's some things we start feeling some weights of responsibility because we've stepped out from under spiritual authority and we lose peace. In Jesus' name. All of this because of his love and desire to use us. Would you thank him with me before you go today? God, we exalt you. I receive your word and I yield by your grace, by your grace, by your grace. I yield and submit to your spirit and word. I want your spirit operating through my life fully and freely that you would be glorified. I want to be a vessel, meat for the master's use, a vessel unto honor that brings you glory, Lord. And so by your grace, let me remain and be in a place of proper submission that you would be glorified and that you can flow with out hindrance. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.